uh, on this day when we celebrate generosity, I, I'm reminded of when Jesus fed over 5,000 people. And, I, you know, I've, I grew up in church. I was there like multiple times every week. And so I, I say that, it just kind of like rolls off my tongue. Like, oh yeah, 5,000 people, big deal, right? Jesus fed 5,000. That, that's a big deal, okay? And I, I'm reminded of that story because I think it's a story about generosity. And the story starts with Jesus and his closest followers uh, in a boat. They're heading out to find a quiet place to get away. They, they, they just need some rest. They kind of need to get away from the crowd. And so they get in this boat, and they're, they're going along in the water. And you can imagine as they're going along in the water next to the shoreline, the crowd just kind of continues to follow them along the shoreline. So they actually can't get away. And so Jesus, with compassion in his heart, decides to get out of the boat and speak to the crowd. Well, Pretty soon it's, it's dinner time and people are naturally getting quite hungry like some of you are as we approach that brunch time. You're thinking chicken and waffles, omelet and pancakes, you know. Don't think about that for like another half hour, okay? Either one are good options and there's plenty of places to go. But pretty soon the disciples, you know, they kind of come up with what they think is a great solution. They have a solution to this hunger problem and they say to Jesus, they say, Jesus, you know, this is a remote place and, and it's already very late in the day. Uh, send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Seems like a reasonable idea, right? I mean, you know, let's give them a dinner break. It's kind of like when you're at a conference, you know, you get to the dinner time, you release everybody to go get dinner and come back for the second session, right? Well, Jesus says to his disciples something different. <laughs> He's got a different idea. He says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, just kind of go there with me for a moment. Okay? Imagine if you were one of Jesus' disciples in this moment. And remember, there are well over 5,000 people in this crowd. Back then, they only counted men, okay, when they were making these counts. So with the women and children, it's possible there were two or three times as many people in that crowd, okay? Imagine that you're one of them, okay? So they, they kind of push back and they say, well, Jesus, I mean, that would take more than a half year's wages, like, that's a lot of money. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? But Jesus, he's not, he's not pushed back by their, by their protest. And he tells them, well, you know what? Go out and find out how much food you actually do have right now. And what do they find? You know the story? Five loaves and two fish, right? Five loaves and two fish. Not exactly a feast, Okay. Now, we have the advantage of knowing how this story ends, right? So it kind of might be easy for us to go quickly to the end of the story and see this amazing miracle that Jesus performs as he turns this little bit of food, this little bit of lunch into a feast for thousands of people, right? But, but think back with me for just a moment, if you would, to the, the disciples' initial reaction when they first looked at that crowd. And imagine yourself again there. You're looking at this vast crowd of, I don't know, maybe 10, 15,000 people total, okay? Maybe even more. It stretches across the countryside, and the disciples had to be thinking, there is no way we can meet this need. I mean, they had to look at that paltry five loaves and two fish and think, that's not even enough for the 12 of us, right? I mean, we better, you know, keep that for ourselves. I mean, what if we can't find any more food than that for us? What then? And as I thought about this today, as I was thinking about Celebration Generosity, it occurred to me, I think Jesus' closest friends and followers here were seeing the world oftentimes the way I see the world. Just true confession here. At times, I think I see the world with a scarcity mindset. 
a scarcity mentality. You know, that idea that, well, there might not be enough to go around, so I better first keep enough for myself and even a little bit more just in case times get really tough. Then I'll give it away, right? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but has anybody else felt that? Yeah, I got even a few head nods on that one. <laughs> but you see, folks, Jesus lived with an abundance mentality, an abundance mindset this kind of countercultural perspective that what we have is plenty and that there will be more than enough to provide for everyone. And you see, an abundance mindset opens up the possibility of generosity. Let that sink in for just a minute, okay? An abundance mindset opens up the possibility for generosity. And so when the disciples followed Jesus' lead, they, they hand over what they did have, and they got to see just Jesus bless it and use it to meet a huge need in a supernatural way. Not only was everybody in that crowd fed, they had 12 baskets full left over. I mean, what happened on that day was so incredible. Think about it. We're still talking about it centuries later, right? So just briefly pause for me for just, with me for just a moment and imagine... Imagine if Jesus' friends had protested to the point of refusing to be generous and instead said, no, we're going to keep those five loaves and two fish for ourselves. Imagine if they had done that. They had that option, right? They could have said, mm-mm. Or, you know, what if they walked away saying, mm, okay, you know, Jesus is pushing this generosity thing just a little too far. I mean, that, that, that feels almost reckless to me. What if they said, you know, I'm out, I'm out. I mean, just think of what they would have missed out on, huh? Think of what they would have missed out on. And you see, on this Celebration Generosity Day, the question, I think, for us is, will we let Jesus do something amazing all over again? Huh? Will we let Jesus do something amazing all over again? You know, before Jesus left earth physically, he, he gathered his closest followers together, and he said to them, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And his last words to his closest followers are a commissioning. And he's sending them out, not only to bless Jerusalem, okay, where they were, but the surrounding territories of Judea and Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. They were blessed to bless the world, to meet needs and change lives and notice something in this passage right here, okay? Three times he says you, right? Three times. Who does he say will receive power? Help me out. Yeah, you. You can say it out loud through your masks. You. I mean, who does he say will be his witnesses? Yeah, who does he say will, will his, the Holy Spirit will come upon? You. And when you say you, it's really you, not just me. <laughs> Because Jesus looks his followers in the eye, folks, and he says, you know what? You are the ones, you are the ones who will carry forward my mission of restoring God's dream for this world. It's on us. The opportunity is here. And when he says you to his first followers, I think he's saying definitely you to me, okay, for sure, but also you to you. He's saying you to you. We are now commissioned to carry out his mission on earth. And he commissions us to not only carry it out locally where we are right now, but also regionally 
and then even globally. He's asking us to impact our local community, the region surrounding us, and to expand that impact globally. And how cool is it that we can actually do something today that will have an impact in the Philippines? Now, okay, my guess is maybe when you hear that your first thought might be somewhat like the disciples with those five loaves and two fish and think, yeah, that feels a little far-fetched. Maybe that's a little grandiose. But is it? Is it really? See, today I want to challenge you to embrace the abundant mindset. And see that together right here, even this smaller gathering of folks in Lincoln Park, on the north side of Chicago. I mean, just think about it. We're a little dot on the whole globe, right? Right now. But we have the opportunity to impact our local community, the region surrounding us. And if I can say so, even little kids in places that will never have any idea what Lincoln Park is or is like. How cool is that? So the question I think for us today is this, all right? Will we let Jesus do something amazing all over again? Will we let Jesus do something amazing all over again? Okay, so in a few moments, my brother Dave will be back to introduce us to our global team, all right? Uh, Dave, my brother, he's the lead pastor here for the first time, and we actually uh, co-founded Community Together, and so he'll be back to share a little bit about our global team. But first, I'm going to share some exciting things happening with our regional team called New Thing. I'm going to do this via video, which is a little bit weird because I am actually here. Don't get confused by this, okay? <laughs> but we're actually showing this at multiple places all over Chicagoland today, okay? So uh, here goes. I absolutely love Celebration Generosity because it reminds me every year that together we can have an impact that none of us could ever have on our own. You know, when we first started New Thing, our church planting mission, we started by launching and coaching a handful of church plants spread out across the country. Churches in Michigan, California, New York, and Massachusetts. That was the beginning. And now we are hundreds of networks all over the world coming together as friends on mission. We are aligned around four principles or values, relationships, reproducing, residents, and resources. Those values and the Jesus mission of helping people find their way back to God are the foundation of New Thing. And it's humbling to think how God has chosen New Thing to mobilize significant church multiplication all over the world. Here in Chicagoland, we have a front row seat to see just how God is using networks of churches who come together as friends on mission to collaborate and start new churches together right here in our city. So I want you to hear from Patrick O'Connell and Ricky Brown as they share the latest on what God is doing through New Thing and our Chicagoland networks. My name is Patrick O'Connell and I'm the global director of New Thing. We're a catalyst for movements of reproducing churches and we do that all over the world. This has been a truly challenging season for so many leaders all over the world and we're mindful of that. It's been a season of challenge and yet a season of opportunity. And New Thing is in the midst of that. It's right in the middle, living in that tension. We are pastoring pastors these days. And uh, we've always done that, but we've put that at the top. 
because what we've realized is that the men and women who are leading churches globally are going through a very disruptive season. And while there is opportunity, and we know that God is at work, this has also been an opportunity for us to come alongside of them as friends on mission and pray with them and support them and encourage them. And I've just learned so much by working alongside these leaders and praying with them and knowing that we are truly better together. And that all happens because of New Thing. We've seen new churches being planted, but we're seeing different expressions. So as an example, microchurch expressions, which, is, which have always been very um, normative in other parts of the world, are now becoming more normative in North America. We're seeing greater collaboration it's a real opportunity for the global church to work together in ways that we could have never imagined before the pandemic. And so our work has remained the same, seeing churches planted, but in ways that, frankly, I didn't expect to see happen. And that's been a really fun thing to watch. Celebration Generosity has been a true catalyst and absolute fuel for our mission globally. It has allowed us to continue to plant churches and we're realizing that when New Thing plants a church, within five years of that first church being planted, there are approximately five more. Now that's through networking and that's through successive generation of church planting, but that's a really good thing. So that's going to continue. And we're starting to find opportunities to work with leaders in new places even, new places like Cameroon and Nepal and Bangladesh. And so this is all happening despite the pandemic, despite the challenges, and these are so many good things to celebrate. I am so excited about what New Thing has been able to do in and through leaders in Chicago. And this has brought them around the table. We say it's the round table of mission, so we show up as equals, but there are Chicago leaders collaborating and becoming better friends on mission each and every day, helping each other and supporting each other and planting new churches together. I met Ricky Brown right here at Community Christian Church. We had lunch together and I knew straight away that this was what we call a, a movement maker. This was a leader that was going to be able to lead other leaders. And this is what New Thing does with men and women and people just like Ricky Brown. We help them find an opportunity to lead other leaders through what we call a network. And Ricky's doing that. I mean, he's a local pastor, he's a church planter. He's leading a vibrant community, reaching his community in Chicagoland. And yet, he's using his relational equity and a kingdom vision to help other leaders rise up and then plant more churches together. And I love that's what we get to do at New Thing, work with leaders like Ricky Brown. My name is Ricky Brown. I am the founder and lead pastor of New Creation Church, a, a multi-ethnic intergenerational church in the High Park area of Chicago. And I also have the privilege of leading the Thirst Network, which is a part of the New Thing Chicagoland church planting movement. We launched our church in September of 2018. And the most important thing I could tell you is that 70% of the people that attend our church were not connected to a church before we launched. And so that's what New Thing is all about. It's about God doing a new thing. It's been a joy, it's been a journey, it's been tough through COVID, but we're still here, we still have a pulse. So it means that God still has a plan. My friend Patrick O'Connell would say, if you wanna go fast, go alone. But if you wanna go far, go together. We really are better together. 
And so inside of our network, inside of the Chicagoland movement, to have relationships with other people who are passionate about seeing God's kingdom move forward, about being committed to multiplication and reproduction, it really invigorates our faith. We keep each other encouraged and we can share resources and truly be friends on mission. Noah Chung, who is planting a church in our community in High Park, it was such a joy to have him in front of our church to allow him to introduce himself and to just pray over him and, and just affirm him in this community in a local church. And truly, that's what's been modeled for me. Uh, that's what other people have done for me. Church attendance in Chicago is less than 8%. Within a three-mile radius of High Park, there are 200,000 residents, which means that's 184,000 people within three miles of our church that do not associate with any church or probably with any faith. You know, I always say it like this, if disciples should make disciples, and they should, then churches should plant churches. I believe that God has strategically placed you at a certain point in time, just like He has uh, for each of us who are involved actively in church planting. But I believe that there's more. I believe that God is calling us to more. I believe he, he is calling us to give even sacrificially. I believe He's calling us to do more. And I think that He's calling us to trust Him more and to believe Him more, that He would do more, that He would do even a more and greater new thing. So if you remember, I found my way back to God right here at Community. And that journey was fueled by new thing and also celebration generosity. One of the first times that I gave big was through Celebration Generosity. And isn't it God's way that He continues to use Celebration Generosity to fuel the Jesus mission, not only right here in Chicagoland, but also throughout the world? And so if there's one thing that I want people to know about Celebration Generosity, your commitment to the Jesus mission through Celebration Generosity and the funds that we receive through New Thing have allowed us to work in places that none of us could have ever imagined, but all of which are important to God. And so that is what I am so grateful for. And without Community Christian Church and Celebration Generosity, we wouldn't be anywhere near that. So thank you. When we first started Community back in 1989, we believed God was calling us to be an impact church. We wanted to be the kind of church that would have a lasting impact on our community, the kind of church that would actually be missed by people in the community if we suddenly disappeared. We also felt called to be a reproducing church. Even from the beginning, we weren't content with simply growing one large church in one location. We knew we could have a greater impact and help more people find their way back to God if we reproduced our church over and over through church planning in order to reach more people in more communities all over Chicagoland. And we rarely talked about it because it seemed a bit presumptuous. But we also felt that if God would bless it, we would love to become a catalyst for a movement. We believed if God was behind it, He could use us to bless the world in ways that would be beyond anything we could have imagined. And God has done exactly that. Our global team partners understand how important it is to make a lasting impact. They reproduce to reach more people in more places every year. And I believe they are poised to catalyze a movement of God's people. And that's why it's so easy to partner with them and why we're so proud to call them partners and friends. The work of Compassion International, Philippine Frontline Ministries, what they've done in the midst of the global pandemic 
is nothing short of a miracle. And maybe more than ever, they need us to help move the mission forward. Here are their stories from this past year. My name is Jim Melton, and I'm the Global Partnerships Director at Community, where I oversee what we do globally at all of our locations. Throughout the eight-year history of our partnership with Compassion International, we've been able to put the Compassion Centers in eight different locations throughout Haiti and Nicaragua, which means that the poorest of the children in those areas receive things like health care, education, spiritual benefits, as well as just being provided with the nutrition they need to keep themselves alive. But in addition to planting these Compassion Centers, we've also planted five churches. And so that means that we've gone to the areas that are the poorest of the poor areas in Nicaragua, places where there wasn't a church where Compassion could partner. In addition to that, we've been able to partner our New Thing Network with Compassion Pastors and start Catalyst Communities so that pastors can grow their churches exponentially in the places where we work. But that's not all. We've also been able to start child survival projects in the areas that we work with, enabling mothers to receive the nutrition and education they need to keep their children alive up until the age at which they're able to enter into the Compassion Program. While we continue to remain committed to just helping people find their way back to God, over the past year, we've had to change our strategies for doing that. You know, during the pandemic, we realized there was an increasing need for food throughout the world. And so while we've organized groups of people to go to Feed My Starving Children, to provide food packets for those living in extreme need throughout the world, we've also worked with Compassion International to help provide food for those people living in the areas with which we partner. We wanted to make sure that each of the 1,500 children that we sponsor community were continue to be cared for. And so we've worked with compassion and through the tireless work of social workers and nurses and doctors and tutors. Even in places where the Compassion Center is not open, our children continue to receive the benefits and have the hope of knowing that they can escape a life of poverty. In a time when many churches were trying to stay afloat, our church remained committed to the fight against poverty, and we decided to be one of only three churches in the United States to hold a Compassion Sunday, a time in which we sponsored the children from our most recent church plant. Because of a generous group of people at Community, every child from that church plant continues to receive all the benefits of the Compassion Program until the time at which they can find full-time sponsors. This next year, as we look ahead, we realize the difficulties of fighting extreme poverty all over the world and we remain committed to fighting poverty through child development, hoping that each of the children who we sponsor and each of the children of the Compassion Program can be the ones that lead themselves, their families, their communities, and their countries out of poverty. So the 1,500 children that we sponsor will continue to be our priority. And whether we can visit them or not, we will continue to write letters to them and share the hope and love that comes through a relationship with Jesus. But in addition to that, we know that we can't do everything. And so this year, we want to focus on those most in need, those babies that are being born during the pandemic. Through the planting of child survival projects, we can enable over 100 babies to live to see their first birthday, the time in which they're able to enter into the Compassion Program and not only survive, but eventually be the change that we hope to see happen. My name is Jeffrey Pacina, and I'm the founding director of Philippine Frontline Ministries. Frontline is a community of believers that have uh, committed themselves together for many years to take the gospel to the Philippines. 
Over the years, the Lord has uh, developed our ministry to uh, focus on four specific areas of reaching the Philippines, and that is through church planting, uh, Christian education, compassionate care ministries, and social enterprise, that is providing jobs for Filipinos. Well, I certainly wouldn't want to deny that it's been a very um, challenging year, to say the least. Uh, the lockdowns have been severe and, and ongoing still, but uh, at Frontline, we have found that while there's uh, difficulties and stresses that we face, we find a lot of opportunities. Who would have thought that during, uh, during a pandemic, our church planting would actually accelerate? Even our leaders didn't expect that. Um, we've planted more churches in the pandemic time than we had in the, the previous uh, five or 10 years of, of our church planting. The way our leaders are saying it now is that the church has left the building. Not being able to meet in buildings, it has actually caused them to think differently and to work differently. And so there's been literally an explosion of the development of house churches. We have churches in the dam site, railroad, and even under the tree. And even sometimes in the forest, you know. So this situation doesn't stop us to plant more churches. We've planted over 50 churches in people's homes, and some of these churches now have 20, 30, 40 people that are gathering. We've had baptisms of 60 to 80 people during the pandemic. We've been able to take um, children in to face the children, our program for kids. There's a growing need there as well because of the, you know, the economic pressure on families. We find a lot of opportunities yet to, to minister the gospel to people. Our school, um, you know, God has provided for us to put up a brand new building, and um, as soon as we got the building ready to go, uh, took on the risk and had a beautiful venue for our kids, the pandemic hit. This past year, by the grace of God and through the goodness of His people, Frontline Christian Academy has been able to weather the very unpredictable educational environment here in the Philippines, where face-to-face -face classes have been prohibited since March of 2020 and all schools have been forced to transition to some sort of online. But actually, children 15 and under have not been allowed outside of their homes since March of 2020 as well. So to say um, it's a struggle uh, is an understatement. We lost nearly half of our students when the pandemic hit. It's been difficult, but on a positive note, God has been always good. He always sustains us. I honestly believe that uh, what Frontline has done, our staff, they're, they're wonderful people, they're committed, they're energetic, they're creative, they're actually excited about what they're doing. And I would say, honestly, this year, we've noted that the kids are actually excited just to get back even to online. Not only are they ministering to the children, but they've expanded the uh, activity to include the families that, that the children are coming from. So. On a monthly basis, now they're meeting with the parents, they're praying for the parents, they're having counseling sessions for the children and the parents, uh, which is a great, a, a great thing that they're doing for the community. I was in the school building, our new school building, and I saw this father who's working inside the building, and I was able to talk to him, and they're not churchgoers. But the Lord opened up an opportunity for me uh, to meet their family and ask them if they want to open up a house church. So last year, uh, during this enhanced community quarantine, uh, we were, I was able to lead a house church, leading the, the family that I have ministered to. It's because of reaching out to the students and uh, the Lord has given us the opportunity to also reach out to the family, the whole family. 
The relationship we've had with community has been a wonderful, wonderful blessing. It's been a great friendship and a great partnership. Uh, Psalms 41 says that uh, the joy of those who are kind to the poor, that God will rescue them from their troubles. And I really believe that God's giving us an opportunity in this partnership that God could bless you even more as you and we together continue to focus on people in need and people that are hurting. At Frontline, we help children that are abandoned and abused. We provide them with schooling, full-time care. This year, we've seen some of them graduate from high school. Some of them have now been uh, put into foster homes, which is the first time in the history of the Philippines that, that a foster care arrangement has been developed through Frontline. We found Rosemary when she was nine years old. She was taking care of her sister, Trixie. But when we saw them, we did not think twice. We brought them to our um, center and really gave them the opportunity to um, live a normal life. Well, Rosemary graduated from high school this year, and she's now gonna be moving on to university. And not only that, but Rosemary and Trixie may both have now been taken into a foster care arrangement. The Lord opened up the opportunity for my daughter, Rodelyn, to foster them. So uh, I thank the Lord for that. And so with your partnership, we've just seen God do so many wonderful things. There's so many people that have come to Christ that are now attending fellowships, reading the Bible, meeting the Lord, knowing the Lord children that are being cared for and protected, educated, graduating from high school, uh, and even people that are now uh, having, you know, working and have jobs that can provide for their families. The relationship of community um, is responsible for a lot of that. We could never have done it without your partnership.